Mac Power Users, Episode 208, Repurpose Your Apple Hardware. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside David Sparks. Hey, David. Hello, Katie Floyd. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm well. And uh, you're getting ready to head off to your great Disney World vacation. Oh, we, we've talked about that enough. Yeah. I just, yeah. I can't wait to hear every about person, it. Every person that I bump into tells me how terrible the weather is in, in your home. Yes, it, that, that's very true. Uh-huh. People who don't even know I'm going on vacation, it just naturally comes up that Florida in August is terrible. It is. And it randomly, like the weather will change and all of a sudden it will get dark and gloomy and we'll have like sharknadoes and stuff. It's really weird. I, I was so freaked out about it. I went and got my hair cut. My, my uh, barber's is a really nice guy, a Vietnamese guy. And, and I said, Frank, cut my hair shorter this time because I'm going to Florida. And he's like, Florida. He says, I grew up in steamy Vietnam. He says, Florida's worse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do, Katie. Anyway. We've talked about that enough, uh, but we, but th- you know what I've been thinking about lately is repurposing your Apple hardware because we're about to enter the fun season where Apple releases a whole bunch of new stuff and uh, that gets you thinking about, well, if I buy some new stuff, what will I do with my old stuff? And I thought it'd be fun to do a show on that. You you uh, must have be- this on your brain because this was your, your show idea. You said, what about repurposing your stuff? And and I have it on my brain because I know I'm itching for some new hardware. It is it is my year for a new iPhone. I know every year's Max Sparky's year for a new iPhone. But well, uh, that's because I get to pay for four four phones, so there's always an upgrade available. Right. Uh, but this uh, but this the, is uh, my year for a new phone, and man, I am I am itching for either an 11 inch MacBook uh, Air when it comes out with the new chips, or whatever that mysterious 12 or 12 inch something something's going to be. Well, you know that. Just just a quick, this is kind of out of our usual uh, wheelhouse, but I think that you're going to be waiting a while on that. Probably. Because the, uh, the Intel chip that is required to really make that all work was supposed to come out earlier this year, and then it was going to be late this year. It's, uh, I, I'm, I think it's called Broadmoor? Broadwell. 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 Right. Currently, they're shipping the Haswell chips. And uh, then we heard, well, no, the, the Broadwell's going to get pushed back to, to next year. So... Uh, if that's the case, uh, I don't think they're going to be able to make a Retina 12-inch Air with the current existing chips. And if they do, I'm not sure I would want to buy it because it's going to be really it's going to be really pushing the limits of that chip. They're going to need the Broadwell, so I suspect that you're going to be waiting till next year to get that computer. I know, but ever since MacWorld, and I saw a few of our friends had those nice little 11-inch MacBook Airs, and my 13-inch MacBook Air, which is a wonderful machine just seems so big now i just i want that little teeny tiny computer well i mean nobody really knows if they're actually making this 12 inch but there seems to be a lot of smoke around it and one of the rumors i heard is that they're going to get the the screen a lot closer to the edge of the device if you look at the current macbook airs it's got quite a bezel around it yeah yeah it's got a pretty big bezel and if they shrink that down you could probably get close to a 12 inch screen on a form factor, very close to the existing 11 inch. And if you make that retina, that is going to be one sexy machine. And, and one of the rumors is it's going to be fanless. So, you know, it's probably not going to be super powerful, but for what a lot of people do, it's going to be just fine. Uh, 
assuming they make it and assuming that Broadwell arrives. Another piece of this, in fact, I've got a piece written up for Max Barkey that'll probably go live before the show does, just talking about the potential for an ARM-based Mac. And, you know, that this is nothing new. People have been talking about it ever since Apple started making their own ARM chips. But it seems to me that the fact that this this alleged new device couldn't get announced this year has just got to, if it's true, it's got to be making people at Apple crazy. It's like, okay, you've got this great new product. Tim Cook's been saying that he's going to have great new products this year. And now they can't ship it because a third-party vendor couldn't get their chip done in time. I don't know. I could see them announcing it though. And and then there were, there were all those rumors. I, I know we're not a rumor show, but there were all those rumors about the Apple TV now being delayed. Oof, I don't know. I don't know. I'm well, so, I've been so excited about this fall because everybody's been saying this fall, this fall, this fall, this fall, this fall. Well, I still think we're going to get some cool stuff. I just, I, I just think that one computer that you're looking for, I suspect it's going to get pushed out and I'm not sure they would announce it early because if they announce it, who's going to be buying the existing 13 inch airs and 11 inch airs. I think a lot of people would sit on it. And that's their sweet spot though. They've done that twice. Now they did that with the IMAX last year where they had the IMAX available quote unquote later this year. And it was like, yeah, they shipped on December 31st and we had like two of them available. And then they did that with the Mac pros, but we'll see. You're right. Those those MacBook airs are really their bread and butter, but we digress. They've never announced a 12-inch air. I mean, it may not even exist. That's true. So, <laughs> so we may be getting so disappointed over something that doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. But, it, it, you know, a Retina air size type computer has to be close. And uh, I suspect once they get the Broadwell chip, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we got one. Um, before we get started, though, on this show about repurposing your Apple hardware, um, a couple announcements. First relates to MiloFest, and we had Victor on on the live show to talk about MiloFest, and you have some announcements about that, right? Yes. Uh, don't forget, Victor generously gave us a coupon code. If you register for MiloFest or if you're interested in that, it's going to be October 23rd through 25th at the Disney Yacht Club. I will be there. Mom will be there. Um, she'll be more or less at MiloFest. She's really going to go shopping. But uh, it will be, uh, you can save $75 by using coupon code MPU. And uh, you're giving away some copies of presentations. Yeah, I was uh, fortunate enough to get some additional promotional codes, and I want to give them away to some of our listeners. Uh, So please send in your best presentation tips. We're going to add it to the next live show. And I'm not going to say how many I'm going to give away. It's going to depend on what kind of entries we get. But realistically, it's not going to be more than about 10. Um, But but do send in some cool tips about presentations. We'll add it to the next live show and you will get a free book. So uh, just send it to uh, just send it to me, David at MaxBarkey.com. So Katie doesn't have to get inundated with it. Man, I've just been giving away free copies of presentations on Twitter and on Google Plus. I didn't realize people actually had to work for this. Well, I want to I want to make it a benefit for the whole audience, and I know we've got some really smart people out there with some great ideas. See, um, I'm so anyway, I'm, I'm like the fun MPU parent. I'll just give them the the book. You make them actually do their homework. Yeah, well, see, I I've been raising kids. I know I know the rules. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I never thought that you would be the hippie, Katie. I always thought I was the hippie. Now you're free codes for everybody. Today. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> um. The uh, we also uh wanted to talk in addition about, about buying new hardware is what to do with old hardware. And, and you're oh, you right, mean the, the ha- topic of our actual show? Yes, exactly. Okay. I have been thinking about this uh, in terms of iOS and we're going to cover both uh, Macintosh and uh, iOS devices in this show. And I thought we should probably start out with the Macs because uh, 
you know, that's where it all starts with. So Katie, um, you've got, let's say you, you, you've had your Mac for two or three years and, or four or five years, and you've decided to upgrade and get yourself a new one. The old one still works, but it, it just wasn't keeping up with what you're doing these days. What do you do with your old Macs? I've done a couple of things. Uh, very frequently, I will pass them down to other family members. The reason that I actually have a Mac in my office, and we'll talk about this later, is because I've taken an older Mac into an office. I've used them as home servers. We'll talk about all this stuff. But So I try to repurpose them in, in some kind of way um, or hand them down to people, or sometimes I sell them and things like that. So The, the, the interesting thing about this to me is the way Macs still work after several years. Um, I mean, to the extent I've owned, um, you know, the more common plastic PCs over the years, after two or three years, they're really not in any condition to do anything with them. Oh, no, no. And and I'm sure I'll get to some email on that. I'm sure that there are some, like Alienware, there are some vendors out there on the PC, Windows PC side that are making good hardware. But in general, the, the PCs I've always had, after two or three years, we're not useful for much more than a recycle bin. But that's not true with a Mac. We've got in our house, well, actually, it's not here anymore. I gave it to my mother-in-law. But I've got a one of the old, the first generation Intel white iMacs. It was 17 inches. They don't even make them 17 inches anymore. And so that computer is uh, probably like circa 2005. So it's nine years old. And so and that's, she uses it. that's the one after the bobblehead? Yeah, it, it's the okay. it's the Jay Leno style, you know, uh, as they called it. it at the yes. time. It's okay. the big. It's it's got the big white chin, and it's the very first Intel seventeen inch iMac, and we used it at our house for years. And I gave it to my mother in law, and now she does all her surfing and everything on it, and she thinks it's a great computer. It's nine years old, and it's still just working fine. Obviously, we've taken it off the upgrades and. uh but it's got the stuff on it she wants. So I guess my point is when you've got an older Mac, just because you got a new one, which is entirely fine. And if my wife is listening, we should really upgrade more often, but you still got an older computer that's got some life in it. So what do you do? And I thought one of the things you do with it is you breathe new life into it. Maybe you don't need an upgrade. And right now in particular, there's a lot of people out there listening to the show who have an older Mac um, they're not really interested in spending a thousand dollars to get a new one, but they would like to give a little shot in the arm to the one they have. And and my advice there would be if if you haven't got an SSD yet, you should really look into it. And the prices on the SSDs have really come down, and especially if you can catch some great deals on SSDs. In fact, I think I just saw like a two hundred fifty six gigabyte SSD for under two hundred dollars, and you're just seeing those types of deals much more frequently. And I, I remember when they used to be triple and quadruple, that kind of price. So definitely look into an SSD upgrade. Yeah, it, it's, it's a monumental change because one of the big bottlenecks in your computer is the platters of that spinning drive. It's the, the seeker head has to find the data on the drive. The drive has to spin up to speed to give it. There's just a whole bunch of things going on in there that don't exist with an SSD, which, and I know a lot of people in the audience know exactly what I'm talking about, but for those who don't, an SSD is really a collection of memory chips for to really bring it down to its most basic level. So 
it's just going to go find those memory addresses and pull the data out. And I'm probably not doing that exactly right. But the fact is, there's no spinning drive. There's no platters. It's quieter. And the speed at which it can access data, even a cheap SSD, which granted is more expensive than an expensive spinning drive, uh, um, is going to be much, much faster. I mean, the first time I used one, I, I could not believe how much faster my Mac got. It felt like a brand new computer. Well, just boot up time is ridiculously fast. If you've ever had a, well, I'm sure most people have had Macs with uh, traditional hard drives or even PCs with traditional hard drives, you used to turn it on and walk away and go do something and then come back while it did all of its boot up. And with an SSD, that's just a non-issue. And then I would even go so far as to say an SSD really is not that much more expensive now than a rotational hard drive. It certainly is a little bit. But keep in mind that if you've got an older Mac uh, that has a traditional rotational hard drive in there, you're looking at a three to five year window on that hard drive before you can expect some kind of failure. I know that there are some hard drives that last for years and years and years and never have a problem. Um, but then there's some hard drives that will die in the first year. But I typically find the sweet spot for hard drive failures is between three and five years. So if you've got a Mac that's in that window, you're looking at a, a, having to replace the hard drive anyway. Uh, replacing the hard drive anyway is probably going to be $100 or so, whereas, you know, for 150 to 200 you can replace it with an SSD. Maybe not quite as big of a drive as what you could put in there, um, but with some data management, you can really make that that work. Yeah, and, and the data management is a big trade-off. Some people like to carry around a lot of movies or they have a huge family photo album or something and it doesn't make sense for them. But anyway, I you know I don't want to spend on a lot of time on this issue because we're really going to talk about what to do with the Mac, not fix it up. But um, if you replace the SSD, that's a, that's a really good upgrade and, and you're going to get a ton of bang for your buck when you do it. The computer is going to feel a lot faster. And we've mentioned this a few times before on the show and every time we do, we get a couple of emails from listeners who said they went ahead and tried it and they cannot believe how much faster it is. And the other thing is if you've got an older computer and you haven't maxed out the RAM, you should because the RAM is cheap, cheap, a lot cheaper than it used to be. And if you've got an older computer, it probably doesn't hold as much RAM as the newer ones do. So you may be able to max it out for somewhere in the neighborhood of $50 and adding RAM always makes a computer feel faster. So those are the two uh, cheap upgrades I would do. And, and if that fixes it for you, then you don't need to, to worry about your old Mac because you turned it into a new Mac and you're still using it. But, but let's say that. Well, let me, let me add, let me add one more thing to that. And, you know, one of the things we've complained about recently is that Macs aren't as upgradable as they used to be. And, I think generally that's probably true, or they're at least they're more difficult to upgrade than they used to be. But uh, third-party vendors have found a way. You know, Macs that aren't supposed to be upgradable, that you're not supposed to be able to change out the hard drive on, that you're not supposed to be able to change out the RAM on, these third-party vendors are finding a way. Or even your Mac that says it maxes out at four gigs of RAM, mm, maybe that's not quite true. Maybe it really can uh, address six gigs of RAM. So uh, OWC, uh, Other World Computing, MacSales.com, uh, is a is a great resource to check because those are the folks that I think are really on the front end of some of this stuff. I've I've bought hard drives from them. I've bought memory from them. Uh, I, this is not an ad for them, but I, I love them. And so you should check out and see what kind of upgrades are available for your Mac with them. And they've even got some really great install and tutorial guides because you may be surprised thinking that your Mac couldn't be upgraded, but yet they figured out how to do it. 
Yeah, I had a friend who has a 128 gigabyte uh, 11 inch MacBook Air. She loves it, but she was going to buy a new one because, and asked her why. And she said, well, I just can't live with the storage. It's 128 isn't enough yet. So she went on, I, I pointed her at OWC. She went on there and got some help. And you can buy, even for a MacBook Air, where it's not a traditional hard drive enclosure, it's a basically a set of chips on a little circuit board. They sell replacement hard drives for those MacBook Airs that can be installed. And she she was able to bump up the storage space and keep her old computer and not have to buy a new one. So uh, I would second that. And, and I guess that's another upgrade path that people don't think about when you've got a computer that is supposed to not have upgradable hard drives. Sometimes they are. It doesn't even make sense to call them hard drives anymore in a lot of ways. What do you call it? Storage? Yeah, I SSD, guess. You can't call it an SSD drive because it's SSD stands for solid state drive. So if you say SSD drive, you're saying drive twice. That's not that's not good. Solid state storage? I, I don't know. It's okay. memory. It's basically memory. It's just a different type of memory. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard of anybody upgrading the RAM in a MacBook Air, though, because as I understand it, that's that's baked right onto the motherboard. So whatever you buy, you're stuck with. Yeah. I, I would definitely max out the RAM on a MacBook Air as at the time that you're buying it. All right. Well, now that we've talked about all of the options for upgrading your Mac, or at least some of them, I do want to talk about passing your Mac down to other people. But before we do, I want to take a quick break and talk about our first sponsor for this episode. And that is our good friends over at Smile and their excellent product, Text Expander. So Text Expander can save you hours and hours and hours of work by allowing you to type just a few keystrokes and have those keystrokes expand into uh, much longer strings of text, paragraphs of text, or even entire pages of text. So this is great if you have a standard greeting that you use or if you want to use it to automate your signatures or uh, if you have boilerplate language or, or standard abbreviations that you have that you want to expand into much longer abbreviations, um, or even for someone like me who regularly uh, types too fast and comes up with a lot of typos, you can add your most frequently mistyped words into Text Expander and it will automatically fix them for you. And we talked about Text Expander quite a bit last month. We had an entire show on it, and we got a lot of great listener feedback about some of the ways that they use Text Expander and Text Expander Touch, which is the companion product for iOS. And some of the feedback we got uh, was from Colin, who had an interesting use for Text Expander, and that he uses it to expand a couple of passwords in applications that he can't use with one password. And the example that he used um, was Adium, his his uh, instant messenger client. And he wants to make sure that he has a secure password in Adium. So what he did is he created a text expander snippet that is his full Adium password, where the expansion for that only expands in Adium. And he types just a few words and it will expand his entire password into the password box in Adium. And as long as you lock that down, for example, he's got this text expander snippet locked down so that it only triggers in that one particular app. And it's not particularly a mission critical app. I'm not sure that I would do this with, you know, really important apps or, or really important passwords. I think it's a, a very clever use of, of text expander. Uh, we also heard from some folks who had some tips on how to use Text Expander on iOS because we were talking about how do you come up with good triggers for iOS. 
And a couple of men people mentioned that as you're typing on the iOS keyboard, if you want to use a period as the delimiter to expand a text expander snippet, if you're typing away on the traditional keyboard and you just hold down the one, two, three button on the lower left of the keyboard, you'll be able to easily type a period and go back to the regular keyboard. So I thought that was a very clever trick if you happen to use periods for uh, expanding your text expander snippets. So Text Expander gives you ways to organize all of these snippets into groups to be able to share your snippets across multiple devices, including multiple Macs, and share it with Text Expander Touch for iOS via Dropbox. Um, and you can do so much more. So you can try Text Expander for free by going to Smile's website at smilesoftware.com. Try before you buy. And if you decide you want to pick it up, it's only $34.95. So go check out Text Expander and thanks to our friends at Smile for their support of the show. You know, I had to add to that um, Mike Schmitz, who is a listener of our show and also a writer, uh, wrote up a really great comprehensive video guide to Text Expander that's on Asian efficiency. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, I ju it just came out, I believe, today and oh, I, yeah. as we record this. And I thought he, Mike did a really good job. And it turns out he's a listener of the show, too. So he's one of us. So uh, go check that out, too, if you'd like to learn more about Text Expander. Um, so, Katie, let's. we spent a lot of time talking about fixing up an old Mac on a show. We're supposed to talk about what to do with them. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think by far the best use for an old Mac is to recycle it into a family member, a friend, or, you know, somebody at the school or the church there's always somebody that's going to need a, a computer and a Mac is a great computer, even an older Mac. And I just can't overemphasize, like I said earlier in the show, my mother-in-law is using a nine-year-old Mac and it's her favorite computer that she's ever had because it just works for her. And I think though our listeners need to have a good idea about what do you do to set up a Mac before you give it away? I mean, you just, you know, take the cord and, and give it to them and say, here you go. <laughs> you know, Here's my login. Go for it. That you don't do that. <laughs> that is exactly what you should not do when setting up yeah. an old Mac. Uh, and yeah. I, I did this recently. We, we took my dad's Mac and handed it down to my grandfather. And I'll tell you, we did it wrong. Um, well, let me say, we did not do it wrong. He did it wrong. And I said, no, no, you, this, this is the proper way to do it. This is the proper way to do it. No, 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 no. I don't want to go through all that. I don't want to go through all that. And we had nothing but trouble and ultimately ended up having to, to go through all of that hassle that I wanted to go through to, in order to make things work correctly. But <laughs> There are really two reasons that you want to to make sure that the Mac is set up correctly for the new person. Number one, it protects you because it removes your data, it removes your software, it removes your licenses, your liability, and things like that. But it also just really sets up a new, fresh, clean experience um, for that other person and gives them, I think, a much better experience rather than this cobbled together thing. You know, people think that they're always doing you a favor by here, here, use my Mac and, and you can use the software and all that I have. But to me, I think that's really starting things off on, on the wrong foot because you're probably starting them off with, with outdated software and things that aren't supported and all kinds of problems. Uh, and there's, like you said, not only protecting your security, but also just protecting the number of devices you're using. Like if you're going to give your computer to somebody and it's still got your iTunes account connected to it, uh, well, there's a problem there if they're able to buy stuff using your iTunes account, but there's also a problem that Apple's going to have you using one extra computer that you're not really using, and then it's just going to become a mess. And it's really fun when you give that person this computer. I, I really go out of my way. I reinstall the the operating system, 
And as soon as it gets to that welcome screen, I just shut it down and I wait till we hand it off to its new owner. And it's fun, you know, getting a new computer, turning it on and having the fun, you know, it has a welcome screen. They get the Apple stuff where they get to invest in the platform right there. They get to type in their name and pick their little, you know, avatar. And I think people really like that. So, and like you said, it's a real clean computer at that point. Everything is up to them to set up. So uh, absolutely, you want to reinstall the OS. There's a couple problems there, though. Sometimes you may not have the the disks any longer. And um, that's, you know, it's kind of a, we're in a strange period right now because most new Macs you buy now don't come with disks anymore. But still, if you've got an older one, there's a good chance it did come with disks, but you may not have them. And you're going to need those. Um one way to do that is if you live near an Apple store, sometimes you can make a genius bar appointment and go in and tell them what you're doing and they'll just reinstall it for you. I mean, they have a, in my experience, I've, I've taken old computers in, they've got a firewire drive in the genius bar. That's got the installs for the last five or six versions of OS 10. And you tell them what you want and they'll, they'll just do it for you. Um, another option would be to just get the discs yourself. If you don't have them, you can get on, uh, eBay and and those discs are out there. You can buy buy them. Somebody's selling them. Um, but you, I think it's a really good idea to try and and reinstall the OS. Yeah, but, uh, if it's but a, that raises an interesting question, David. Of which OS do you install? Because if it is at all possible, I, I really believe that not only should you reinstall a fresh, clean OS, but you also need to to give the person that you're giving this Mac to the ability to do the same. Um, you know, if you are able to install a newer version of the OS, um, I think Snow Leopard was one of the first ones that was available on the Mac App Store. No? Or was it was it Lion that was the first one that was available on the Mac App Store? Um, but, uh, I think it was Lion, but... I think, I but, think Snow Leopard was the one that introduced the Mac App Store. So you had to have Snow Leopard to get to Lion because Lion was yeah. Mac App Store. I think that was it. Um, but if you can get that Mac... If it's if it's new enough that it can run Lion or Mountain Lion, it will probably actually run Mavericks and um, and Yosemite because I think just about anything that could run Mountain Lion can now can also run Yosemite with with a few exceptions. But I'm a big proponent of get them, especially now that Mavericks is free and Yosemite will be free as well. Get them on the newest possible operating system that you can. Um, you know, just because you happen to have the installed disks for Snow Leopard, if that machine is capable of running a newer operating system, there's no reason to to put them in the past and, and have them use, use Snow Leopard if that machine is capable of running a newer OS. Yeah, going back to my mother-in-law's computer, I want to say, what was 10.3 Panther? It was either it was either ten point three or ten point four, which was Tiger, I believe. Uh, but the um, wow, th- that so computer, you've got like Lennon and all going on. Well, no, no, no. I got her up to Snow Leopard on that computer. Oh, okay. it, it took Snow Leopard, and that's that's it. I mean, it's not getting any more updates. But um, Katie makes a good point. I didn't really emphasize. You know, if you bought the computer at ten point four and you're going to give it to somebody you know, do a little bit of research, figure out the, the last stable operating system it can take and, and install that for them. Yeah. And to the extent that you can give them the discs, because if they have a problem and then they end up having to erase and reinstall the operating system, or they end up having to put a new hard drive in it or something to that effect, they're going to need those discs again to be able to do that. Yes. And in the outline, you had a note here about calling Apple care. And I guess that's if a, if it's a computer that's still covered by Apple care, right? Uh, Actually, I have had success 
um, with older machines getting Apple to send me older discs. Oh, really? Even that's even nice. if the machine is not covered by Apple Care now, if I I don't know if that's something that they routinely do or if it's just something that they kind of wink, wink, nod, nod do. But but I have had, and I think it has to do with support um, for newer iOS devices. I think you must have a certain level uh, operating system, so they want you to be able to use um, those newer peripherals with your device because they want to incentivize you, it, at least if you're not going to upgrade your your Mac, to be able to go out and purchase newer iOS devices. And, and keep that in mind even when you're repurposing these Macs and passing them along is that at some point um, you, you have to have a certain level to, to be able to be compatible with, with certain features like iCloud and, and, and things like that. And so Apple wants to incentivize you to use those features. So I've, I found that they are pretty friendly with, with giving you installed this in order to get you up to those features. I once lost a copy of Logic. I mean, just uh, back when it was on disks. And I'm pretty sure it got accidentally put in a Goodwill box and I called him up and said, and I, I realized it like six months later and I called him up and just said, I'm an idiot. And I think we accidentally gave him away. <laughs> and, uh, and that was not a, a cheap program. And, and they like, okay. And they, they sent me discs there. Yeah, Apple's pretty forgiving. Yeah. Um, now you have a note in the outline about what happens when you don't do this correctly. I want to hear the story behind that one. Oh, all right. So this was last Christmas and, and it was a great gift. Um, my dad decided to upgrade and get a new iMac and give his his father, who is um, in his later 80s and has been recovering from a stroke, um, his Mac. And so he thought that, you know, the big screen and uh, being able to browse through photos and, and using the touchpad would, would be good therapy. And it turns out that it really has been. Um, because he was using this very decrepit aging PC. So my dad decided that he wanted to give my grandfather this 24 inch iMac and, and it was still a great machine, but my dad had years of years of junk in it. And my dad having very good intentions, um, wanted to give my grandfather this machine with quote unquote, all of his programs. So he would have access to programs. You know, he needs word, he needs, um, Adobe Acrobat. He needs all of these other things. And the reality is no, he doesn't. Um, in fact, you know, it's one of my life goals that when I'm in my 80s, not to need Word. I'm <laughs> going to write that one down right now. So um, basically what my dad ended up doing is just going in and deleting all of his files, all of his documents off of this computer and creating a new user account for my grandfather. And that was okay for most things, but when it came time to download apps from the Mac App Store, it created a problem because some apps were under my dad's account, some apps were under my grandfather's new account. It was just a sinking nightmare. It was some, certain things didn't have correct permissions. Um, you know, just getting the computer set up was, uh, you know, and in, in, in working for him, there were so many snags along the way. Um, and, and for what, so that he could have a copy of Adobe Acrobat that he would never use, or that he could have a copy of Microsoft word that he would never use. Um, and, and probably, I don't want to get into the, the legalities of it, but you know, really wasn't supposed to have that copy on there anyway, cause that copy was licensed somewhere else. So, um, what we ultimately, you know, I just, I kept telling him, I said the the best way, and my dad must've spent hours trying to to, to get this uh, computer repurposed. And I said, we just, we just need to wipe it. We just need to wipe it and reinstall the OS and we'll go in the app store and set him up a, an account and click, 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 and we'll get him pages. And, and that's really all he needs. I mean, he doesn't need a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So, and ultimately you had to do that anyway. That's, that's ultimately what we ended up doing, you know, get him his own app store account and get him his own apps. And, and he doesn't buy many apps, but you know, he, he does a lot of solitaire and card games. So when he wants one, he goes in the app store and he clicks and he gets it. The, uh, like, I, and like I said earlier, I can't overemphasize. It's just really nice, um, giving somebody a Mac, especially if it's their first Mac and letting them go through that new Mac process when you turn it on and you go through those screens and, you see it and there, there it's your dock and your wallpaper and you get to make it your own. That That's a, a really nice thing to do. Um, I, I also kind of keep tabs on the Macs I give away. And I tell people, look, if you ever get tired of it, let me know. I'll find another home for it. I, I don't want to see my Macs going into the trash bin. <laughs> These are your children. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I know some Mac owners that love to keep their old Macs. And I, I know I have one friend that has literally a shelf full of MacBooks, you know, MacBooks and I, and power books and all the various <laughs> book versions of Macs that they've had over the last 15 or 20 years. And he, he's very proud of that little shelf. I don't want to keep them. I want to see him out doing stuff. And, uh, and I find a, I find a home for him. Um, you know, with my kids, you know, with the schools, the teachers, sometimes I just go to one time we had an, an old, one of this old white plastic MacBooks and it was really, it worked fine, but nobody, really could use it. And we talked to the teacher and she says, I know the perfect family for this computer. And she made sure it got there. So, you know, just think about it and you can find a place for them. So, so get them out into the world, let them keep doing what they do. Uh, a lot of um, my Macs tend to find home and homes in my Mac user group. And it's so funny because once a month I get to go visit them and be like, Oh, <laughs> there's my 12 inch power book. There's my 15 yeah. inch. There's, there's my original MacBook air. Yeah. Well, and we're going to talk about some creative uses for your Macs as well later, but let's stay on the practical side for a little bit longer. And so another option is rather than give it away is to repurpose it to something for you. I mean, you can have multiple, you can have more than one Mac and sometimes it's kind of helpful to do so. Um, and Katie um, has an interesting story about that Mac mini. It's a 2009 Mac mini. And that's how you got to use a Mac at work, right? Yeah, you know, David, we've talked a lot about using a Mac at work, and I was so jealous of you taking your Mac at work. And uh, certainly I could do that with my laptop, but just the way that we have our network set up, it, it certainly behooved me to have a dedicated Mac at the office. And I had this 2009 2.26 Core 2 Duo Mac Mini. You know, the, it was the more square boxy ones. It's still a great machine, but it's, I, I, I looked it up today as, as we were prepping the show notes and I was shocked to see that it was a 2009 2.26 core two duo. Um, and it's, it's running Mavericks and it, it will run, I believe Yosemite. And, uh, one of the things I did is I, I, those were the kind that you had to, to rip out with the, uh, with the two putty knives, that was scary. Yeah, with the spatula. <laughs> but um, I got I got my spatulas and I I got onto um, MacSales.com and I I picked up at that point a fairly small SSD. I think 160 gigabyte SSD. I, I wish in retrospect now that I'd gone a little bit bigger, but because we use a shared network drive at work, almost all of my files are on that shared network drive. Um, and I did an eight gigabyte RAM upgrade, and so in total I spent less than $200, maybe less than 250, um, upgrading this Mac. And I must tell you this 2009 core two duo Mac mini is easily the fastest and most reliable computer in our office. Uh, yeah, in so my you, opinion, you have a, I'm a little biased. And you have it hooked up and you just have it hooked up to a monitor yeah. and a keyboard and you're running word on it. 
and maybe Excel and a couple other apps like OmniFocus probably. Yeah, I'm running um, and, and PDF Pen and and uh, yeah, I'm actually running a, a pretty heavy duty load of. I'm not running anything very different than I am on my my Mac at home. Now I'm not running. I have no need for iPhoto. I have no need for iMovie. I'm not running GarageBand. I'm not doing any video editing. Um, I did load a very small iTunes library on there, so when I'm in the office on the weekend, I can I can play some music. But I mainly do that off my iPhone now. But just yeah. just on the weekend, don't you play music during the week? Uh, the way our office is set up, we've got very thin walls, and people tend to frown on that. Yeah, people hate it when I do, but I still play it. So the big the big joke in my office is they they think that I'm smoking pot because they come in there and they hear like Miles Davis. Okay. Oh, uh, my life. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, uh, so that's a, that's a good use though. And, and, and the point I think that I get out of that is it's an older Mac, but you're not putting a heavy load on it. So that thing is still going to be good for two or three more years at your office. Easily. Yeah. And, and I've got a, about a two year old Mac mini here at home. And I figure at the time that that Mac at the office no longer works, I'll take that Mac mini from home and circulate it out and, I may not even need that Mac Mini at home anymore. I'll, I'll repurpose another Mac for my Mac oh, at home. I, I have such a good use for that Mac Mini. We're going to talk about it in a minute, but <laughs> I think, uh, we, we we will get there. Maybe we should take a quick break, though, um, before we move on and talk about our next sponsor today. And that is our friends over at 1Password. 1Password is the premier solution for managing passwords on your Mac and your iOS devices you know, in fact, when you're when you got that old Mac and you want to get rid of it, if you're using one password, managing your password security makes it really easy because you're going to have everything in this one place and you can take it out. One password syncs your data right through Dropbox or through the iCloud. So you're going to have it show up on your new Mac. You can delete it from your old one. You're just fine. Now, the reason I think one password is more relevant than ever right now is because it's becoming more and more common that people are losing internet security, not because of some fault of their own, but some fault of somebody that they trusted. You know, you gave your credit card number or set up an account with some website and because something they didn't do right, the bad guys got a copy of your account and your password. And the problem is if we are left to our own devices, if we're required to figure out our own passwords, we're inevitably going to use repeat passwords. I even still catch myself doing that when I make a password up on the fly and I don't stop to make one with one password, I find that I'm still using duplicates once in a while. I have to go root out. Well, one password solves that for you. Just push a button and it makes a password as complex as you want. And it remembers it for you. So the next time you go to that website, that crazy password that it generated for you that only exists at one place is going to be open for you with no trouble. It solves it really solves the two problems. It's like having your cake and eat it too. It makes really great passwords. So you've got security, but it all runs through this one program. So you've got convenience and that that is something that you don't see too often in the security realm. And now go back to that hypothetical company you've been dealing with that lets your password leak out. Well, since you're using a different password, every website, the bad guys aren't going to be able to use your information because what they do is once they get your password from one of these sites they hack, they go try that same username and account information at other places like iTunes and Amazon and Dropbox and other places where they can take things from you. So one uh, password solves that problem for you. It's made by some really smart people that do nothing but obsess all day about how to protect your security. Uh, super smart, wonderful people. And they've got uh, versions on multiple platforms. So you can get a version of the Mac App Store. It's $49.99. 
And if you've got your family on your, your account, that's actually a really good deal. Get them all set on, signed up with it. If you're working with a Windows at work and a Mac at home, you can get the, the bundle that has both Windows and Mac versions from the website. They have versions for iOS and they have versions for Android. It just gets better and better. They also keep thinking about ways to make their service better. For instance, now one of the things they do is they look at they look at your database and tell you about websites that have been recently hacked or have some security problem. So if you aren't keeping up on the news, but suddenly find out that one website that you really like has been hacked, it tells you so you can reset your password right there. It's a just a great idea. And it really is a solution that I think everybody needs. If you're out there and you've already got one password, take a minute and share it with some family members and tell them about it. Because I think everybody needs this, especially the people that probably aren't even listening to this show. So with this, I want to enlist everybody out there, get themselves one password or share it with somebody else if they haven't, and let them know you heard about it from the Mac Power users. Thanks, 1Password, for their long support of the show, and more importantly, keeping all of our data safe. So you put out a tweet of what do you do with your um, Macs when you're done with them. And we got a surprising number of people who wrote back and it was already in our outline, but to repurpose them themselves as some kind of home server. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's one of the most common use for our demographic for, you know, for the geeks and nerds that love our show. Uh, Why not, you know, put it to work for you. We've talked about this in the past. We did a whole show on on a home server without using Apple server software, where we talked about all the many benefits of this. That shows a little out of date now because I think it's two or three operating systems ago, but most of the basic concepts in there still work. For instance, Apple Mail has some amazing filtering rules. And I know everybody likes to talk about how great Gmail is for that. And it, Gmail is got some great filtering rules, uh, but Apple Mail has better ones. Uh, the downside, of course, is you have to have a Mac running to run those filters for you. It's not being done on the Internet. It's being done by a computer for you. But if you've got an old Mac in a corner, why not? Um, Steve Stanger, who was used to do a lot of podcasting. I don't know if Steve does a lot of podcasting anymore. He used to do the Mac attack. And he told me once he had a broken Apple laptop, you know, uh, a MacBook and the screen went bad and Steve was very technically minded. So he literally removed the screen from it. So it was a headless laptop, you know, if you can wrap your man, Talk mind about around a Franken it. Mac. Yeah. So it, it's just a, it's just a keyboard. It's just, you know, there's nothing in the screen except the screen. So he took that off and he put it next to his TV and he had got the adapter so he could hook it into his TV if he wanted that for a monitor, but he had it running all of his email rules. So whenever an email came in and it, a, a rule was triggered, it would fix it right away. That's a that's a pretty good use for an old Mac. Yeah. Um, lots of people are telling us uh, about how they use it as an iTunes media server, or they'll use it as a Plex server, uh, or they'll use it for watching online streaming TV. You know, despite the, the Apple TV being one of my favorite things, uh, you still, uh, other than the content that you have in the cloud, you still can't stream from iTunes unless you actually have a Mac in your on your network that's turned on. And so that's one of the main things that my Mac Mini does is it's just on and it's running an instance of iTunes. So I have access to all of my movie shows, my TVs uh, shows, uh, and my music that's in iTunes without having to pull that down and constantly be streaming from the cloud. Uh, it's also a great use for, for running the Plex app. Or now, do you have it connected directly to your Drobo or do you just do it through the, um, through the, 
you know, through the copper in your house or do you do it through the Wi-Fi? No, I've got the Drobo 5N. So I've got the iTunes library is actually sitting on the Drobo and the Plex library is sitting on the Drobo. And then that just feeds to your... To the Mac To Mini. your... Yeah, nice. Or, or to anything, really, because I've got a couple of Plex-enabled devices. And you can also just use it as a general file server. You know, you can put directories on there. If you've got a family, um, it's kind of nice. We, we use the Drobo 5N for this, but everybody has their own storage space on the family storage. And, and that stuff gets backed up. And I tell the family, if there's something that you really want to make sure doesn't get lost, just go ahead and put it in there. And all of my, my wife and both of my children are using that space. But you could do that with an old Mac, too. Yeah. Just attach a drive to it. Yeah, I've, I've mentioned this before, although I still think the the Mac home server, the Mac mini server, whatever you want to call it, is the best solution for the, for this for this type, for this type of style. Really, I will be having a different conversation five years from now because we're already seeing more of this types of service and more of this type of functionality going into these smart NASes. Yeah, agreed. But, but, but for now, I think it's still the best option. Yeah, you can also uh, put the computer somewhere else if you want offsite type stuff. I mean, you can use a service like Back to My Mac to get to it. Um, if it's a Mac Mini, you know, there's, the, there's that Mac Mini Colo service that you can basically stick it. I think they're in Nevada somewhere. So, and there's all sorts of cool things you could do with a, an offsite Mac. Well, you know, Brett Terpster runs his entire website and some other things. I know several of our friends run their their websites off of a, a Mac mini that's hosted at Mac mini Colo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, I would, if you're interested in this stuff, go back and listen to that show because we spent quite a bit of time going through the, the nuts and bolts of how to set that up. But uh, basically having a Mac on 24 seven that you may not be sitting a lot of time sitting at, but still having it doing work for you can be really, really nice. And then um, you went a little crazy um, about, <laughs> I mean that in the nicest possible way, uh, about all the cool things that you can do just to really, uh, if for a Mac that is truly not functional, to turn it into a piece of art. Well, actually, not just that. I, I the, the heading started out as vintage Macs because I wanted to spend just a couple minutes talking about vintage Macs. They're really great computers. Uh, for instance, I always wanted a Mac SE but never had the money for it. And now you can get one, you know, off eBay for like 50 bucks. In fact, I talked about it once at Mac Sparky years ago and a reader mailed me one. So I had a Mac SE, SE here for a little while. And at that point, my daughter, the one who just graduated high school, I think at that point she was still in elementary school or in, in middle school. So maybe she was in sixth or seventh grade. And and I didn't want her to have a computer yet. I didn't want her access to the internet, but she wanted to type up papers and do some stuff. So I got a, oh, an old no, Mac SE. I did. It was great. It has a floppy drive in it and I got it running and I got a word processor on it and I had some floppy disk and, you know, I, I went on Amazon, I bought a, a USB floppy drive for like all of like 20 bucks and the, yeah. it worked fine. She could type on it and, and then she could give me the, disk and I could put it on the other computer. And oh, okay. The, and the USB floppy drive for, was for you. Okay. Cause I'm sitting there going, I don't yeah. know what a USB no, floppy drive already, is going to do it, on a Mac SE. <laughs> no, it. I already had a floppy drive in it, but then yeah. I could get the data onto the, the more modern computers. It was fun. And it was just fun having one in the house. I was, I would goof off with it much more than she would. It was kind of an interesting experiment because it, it really, it only lasted about six months. She just wasn't interested. Um, 
she would rather just sit at the family iMac and do her thing. But excuse me. Uh, it was, it was kind of fun. And, uh, I'm not sure this is a use for old Macs, but get your hands on a vintage Mac. If you want to have a little fun, um, there's, there's articles online about how to remove the yellow from the plastic on the old ones. And it seemed to me like a pretty good use for an old Mac, uh, but you could modernize it too. And I didn't do this. I actually got rid of that one. I gave it to a friend, <laughs> but, uh, I read an article in the last year about somebody who took one of those old Mac SE or the classic Mac bodies and they gutted it and they put a Mac mini inside of it. And then they got a little LCD screen and they put it where the, uh, the old Mac screen was. And they, they bought some kind of connector to use a classic Mac keyboard with it. And, and it just looks so awesome to me to see like OS 10 running on this old classic Mac. Now, granted, the screen size is really small, so, you know, it's not perfect, but uh, there's a part of me that would absolutely love to have a modern Mac and an old classic Mac body. I wonder what the form factor is, if you could, like, mount an iPad mini in there. No, I've seen people do that with, I think, an iPad, too. Yeah. I think I saw somebody do that with an iPad at one point as well. So, yeah, that'd be kind of fun. And then I got that, and that whole thought process led me to think... Well, I know there's other things people have been doing. One of the classic things is fishbowl Macs. Yeah, the, and, Mac, the Mac aquariums. Yeah, and I think the first application I saw of this was with the original iMacs, you know, like the Bondi Blue iMacs. And people would gut them out and they put glass inside of it and they turn it into a fishbowl. But since then, I've also seen people do it with some of the old classic toaster Macs. And that's kind of fun. And if you just search fishbowl Mac on the internet, you will find instructions on how to do it. So then I got searching on the internet in preparation for the show for other interesting uses. And there were some great ones. Uh, one guy. I, I, I can just, hamster. I can just see this being your entire afternoon. Uh, I did spend way too much time on this. <laughs> I will admit <laughs> one guy uh, did a hamster. He made like a habit trail, like hamster home inside of an old Mac, which I'm not really sure. I like the idea of gerbils in a Mac, but I, I had to give him credit for doing it. Uh, one of my favorites was what they called the Mac-O Lantern, and the link was dead for it, but there was a description. And he took old Mac SEs, which was a classic toaster Mac body, and they were still working like the one I had. And he painted it all orange, like just kind of pumpkin orange. And then he got uh, JPEGs or graphics files of like pumpkin faces. And he found an app, an old Mac SE app, that would cycle between these various pumpkin faces. So just imagine this orange toaster Mac with these pumpkin faces on it. I thought it was a great idea. And he said he had two or three of them. And I could totally see me putting those on my doorstep at Christmas. I'm sorry, at Halloween. <laughs> oh man, I'd love that. Um, the uh, one idea I had, and I know this has been done, is if I had an older Mac, it would be fun to gut it out. Or maybe even like an old Mac mini just take the guts out of it and build a Mac housing out of Lego brick. And I'm not sure what it would be. Maybe it would be like a Millennium Falcon Mac. Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? Be. I think I'm going to build a Millennium Falcon Mac. Anyway, so you could do something like that. And because the Mac minis are so small, you could do something like that with it. Um, uh, one of my favorites I found, and I do have links for this one. There's a bunch of people on the internet that are taking old, iMac or not uh, Mac. Um, they're taking old Macs and they're turning them into mailboxes, <laughs> you know, like power Macs. Yeah. You know, like what, the old what, what is your mailman going to say? 
I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think that's one of those code. associations. I'm, yeah. I'm sure that the association people would come with me, but even if I just had it up for a couple of weeks, it would totally be worth it. So they just take an old, you know, it's like a Mac Pro or a Power Mac or what, you know, that that design, and then they turn it into a mailbox, which is awesome. Uh, one of my favorites was a guy, and I saw this one on Reddit, and I do have a link for this one too. And he has instructions. He took a, a Mac Pro, you know, not the new, uh, not the new, you the, know, super the cheese, sexy Mac Pro. The cheese Pro. grater, yeah. Yeah, cheese grater Mac Pro. And he turned it into a barbecue. You know, he took the insides out. He put a hinge on it. And it's got that nice, you know, grill surface there. <laughs> so he's cooking burgers on it. I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, uh, what, what, what kind of coating must be on there? It's getting in your I, food. and Oh, you had to go and ruin it for me, Katie. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's true. <laughs> well, then he died of lead poisoning six months later, so we'll never know. Um, right. And then uh, there's a um, a guy on Etsy who's taking old Macs and turning them into pendulum clocks. And very cleverly, he's using mice for the pendulum, which is kind of fun. Oh, I don't know. Th- those are all great stuff. we got a bunch of links. We'll put them in the show. Check it out. All righty. You were kind of silent as I no, went through all that. I was I was just so sad that it ended. That's all you've got. <laughs> well, you know, there's priorities, Katie Floyd. I, I will tell you that I always wanted a Mac aquarium, but I, I hate cleaning out after I just I don't have the patience to clean up after fish, so or any pets really, so it yeah. wasn't worth it. Oh, I don't know. The Mac-O-Lantern, the, the, the Mac-O-Lantern and the Lego Mac are the two that I would probably be most tempted to take on. Yeah. Well, before we move on, why don't I take a, a quick break and talk about our third sponsor for this episode, a very appropriate sponsor, I might add, for this episode. And that is our, our friends over at Gazelle. Because if you don't want to die of lead poisoning because you turned your Mac into a, an, an apple grill or something else, uh, you can always sell your your used Macs and your iPhones and iPads and other prod, uh, products over at gazelle.com. So when you're thinking about getting that new iPhone or you're thinking about getting that new iPad, um, Gazelle will make the process very uh, fast and painless of trading your device in for cash. In fact, they're the only ones that I use. I don't deal with Craigslist and eBay and all of that because I've just, I've been burned one too many times. I don't want people coming over to my house. I don't want to meet the shady person uh, at the Starbucks behind the dumpster or the Kmart or, or wherever other places that you meet people to to do these exchanges. Um, what I do is I just go to gazelle.com. That's G-A-Z-E-L-L-E.com. Tell them what I've got. Find your item. Is it an iPhone? Is it AT&T? Is it Verizon? What kind of condition is it in? What, what size memory do you have? Um, and, and be honest and tell them what you've got, and they'll give you an instant quote right then and there. And here's the best part. The quote is good for 30 days. So what you want to do is get your quote and lock it in. And that gives you time to go ahead and order your new device, get your new device, get it here, get it all set, get it all prepped, make sure that everything works. Um, and then you can send your new phone, your old phone, uh, or iPad or Mac or whatever it may be into Gazelle. And I'll tell you what, they even buy broken iPhones and broken iPads and we'll give you a quote for those. So just tell them what you've got. Um, they'll pay you by uh, check by PayPal, or if you want to get paid by Amazon gift card, which to me is almost as good as cash as much as I shop on Amazon. They'll even give you a little extra 5% bonus. So um, go head over to gazelle.com, 
uh, lock in your quote. It's good for 30 days. It's risk-free. Send them your thing and uh, they'll evaluate it, tell you what you've got. And hey, if they actually find out that your item is in better condition than they thought, uh, they'll tell you that and they'll send you more. It's happened. We've had MacPower users, listeners who have told us that. Uh, Gazelle has paid out nearly $175 million to over 1 million customers, myself and David included. Um, and they'll even send you a box to ship all of your stuff to them free. So go check them out, gazelle.com, G-A-Z-E-L-L-E.com. And please do me a favor. If uh, you have used Gazelle in the past or you are planning on using them and you've heard about them by Mac Power users, uh, please let them know that we sent you. You can send them a tweet to at Gazelle. And thanks, Gazelle, for their support of the show. And, you know, Katie, like you're getting, we're going to move on to iOS here and you're going to, you're planning on getting a new iPhone. Oh, you bet it. Um, so, and we all suspect that sometime in September, they're going to be announcing the new iPhone. So it would make sense for you to lock in your Gazelle price very early in September before they announce it. I agree. I, and I will. You, you get your, because you get 30 days. That's, I guess we're kind of moving into editorial content at this point because it does overlap the show topic. But um, I do, I do prefer Gazelle for selling the stuff for the reasons you said in the ad spot. I, I don't like dealing with strangers with my computer hardware and I've just had too many bad experiences. And once you sell it to these people, they have your phone number and your email address and they, they just become problems. So either way. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about iOS. Okay. Let's do that. Um, that's what really led me to wanting to do the show because I'm wondering what's going to happen if we get a new iPad and I get, you know, tempted to buy a new one. Um, we are going to probably have an extra iOS device in the house and, uh, I could give it away. I could sell it to Gazelle. There's a lot of stuff I could do, but right now I'm thinking about Velcroing it to the wall. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard anybody doing this? Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. Well, I have now. Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, because there's a lot of stuff about an iPad that's really useful uh, if you had it available to you every day. And, you know, like there, I was thinking about like the remotes app for like a smart remote. Um, oh, you don't, you don't IMDb. mean like, okay, so you mean just like keeping it available and handy for use around the house? Well, I would, I would set it up with the, with the picture because it's got a nice like a picture frame mode in it where it will cycle through pictures. Yeah. And I was thinking about uh, like getting away because there's a lot of different third-party hardware to hang it on the wall or just Velcro it up and have it running that picture app as like a, a digital picture frame. That used to be kind of a thing a few years ago and you never hear about it anymore. Well, probably because all the digital picture frames sucked. Yeah. Well, the iPad doesn't. Yeah. So it would, it would look nice. And if we're watching TV and we're like, hey, who is that guy? Or what other movies is that guy? And you could just rip it off the wall, open IMDb and go to town. Or if we wanted to use the Apple TV and one of my kids put the remote, you know, in their bedroom again, which I'm not really sure why, because the Apple TV is downstairs, but that happens. Um, I can use the remotes app and, you know, just kind of having it or even just like in the morning, if I want to check the weather or use it to you know, play music through the Sonos. I mean, I can just think of a lot of good reasons to have an iPad in a fixed location in the house. I've been thinking about like, I could put it on the refrigerator or Ooh, I could that'd put be it... fun. And then you could have like a, a shared reminders list that you could do grocery lists and things like that off of, or you could leave notes to each other. Yeah. Or I could put it on the wall near the 
television or, I mean, my house is really small. So there's, there's a couple places that would make sense. And I'm sure everybody listening can think of their own places, but um, I think I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm really liking the idea of having an extra iPad. That's just always available. There's some, there's some power concerns. Like if you're going to put it somewhere, like if I put it on the wall, I could probably uh, use some of my superior craftsmanship skills to run a cable to it. And it wouldn't be obvious if I put it on a refrigerator I think there'd be no way to charge it short of pulling it off and like charging it somewhere else overnight. Well, the beauty with the iPad, uh, I, th- I think putting it on the refrigerator, you'd have to be a little bit careful because I don't think you would want to mount it with magnets. I, d- I don't know why. I just don't yeah, think no, you'd that want to put magnets on the iPad. That, yeah, that wouldn't be enough. Um, but the beauty about the iPad is, especially if it's a, a low-use iPad, although cycling through photos, if you're going to use it to cycle through photos, that's probably going to be a pretty high-use for the screen. But if you're just sticking it on the refrigerator for notes and things back and forth and the screen is off most of the time, then that's, well, I guess if the screen is off, that may not do much good, but you're probably only going to need to charge it once a week or so. Yeah. Yeah. But if you, if you mounted it on the wall, especially with some of your, your uh, woodworking skills and things, I could almost see you um, building like a custom frame for it in the wall where you, where you hide a cable. Yeah, or, or I could buy one. I'm sure people have done it already, but it, it wouldn't be that difficult. But I think I like the idea of being able to pull it down. Like like one of the, the big uses for me, I think, is when we watch TV. You know, we're, we're all kind of interested in, oh, I like that actor. And I saw him in another movie, but I can't remember what it was. It would be nice not to have to walk over to the wall and to the input standing there, but able to, to, to pull it down and while you're sitting on the couch, have it available to you. But then, of course, we already have an iPad, so I guess I don't know. Yeah, is your is your iPad or your iPhone really ever not within your arm's reach? My iPad is sometimes, but my iPhone is not. It's always with me. Uh, I I do know that sometimes it gets lost in like in your coat. <laughs> <laughs> that only happened once, and my Scotty. I'll vest. never let you forget that. I'll never let you forget that. Um, uh, so there's there's a couple issues about wiring and how you're going to attach it to the wall, but I think it would be kind of fun to to do that. Uh, and then I got thinking about extra iPhones. I've never had the issue with the extra iPhones because I always just sell them to Gazelle. You know, we we kind of have a system where they uh, they go through the kids, and then once it gets to the last kid, it gets sold to Gazelle, and I get cash back. And the nice thing is I usually get enough cash to to pay for the next one, you know, the next upgrade or a big portion of the next one I'm getting for myself. But there are uses for extra iPhones. I mean, you can turn it into an iPod touch for the kids, you know, just disable the cellular antenna. And then it's essentially an iPod touch. Um, Something like what I was talking about with the iPad, you could, you could do the same thing, but it'd be a smaller screen. Uh, So like if you like the remote apps and things like that, you could have there. Um, one thing I would be tempted to do with an iPhone, and maybe this is a couple years down the road, but the, I, the cameras in the current iPhones are so good that when those are old, you know, when the 5S is an old iPhone, I've never done this before, but I'd be tempted to buy one of those waterproof bags or those water cases and turn it into like an underwater video camera. Oh, I think that would fun. be fun. Yeah. And there's also not a bad thing about just having a spare iPhone. Um, that's become less of an issue now that you can buy Apple Care Plus for ninety nine dollars, and if an iPhone breaks, you can you can replace it. My guess is you probably have Apple Care Plus on most, if not all, of your phones. Um, 
but that was a much bigger issue before for people who don't have Apple Care Plus. Um, yeah, these these phones break if you you drop them. There's a there's a decent chance that you're going to break it. And uh, you know, I've I've been thinking about that. Is you know, thankfully I've got Apple Care on this particular phone. But man, I would I would hate to have to buy a new iPhone right now, knowing that we are si- so, so close to an upgrade <laughs> cycle. My sister bought one for her daughter, an iPhone, and I told her the whole story and. Her daughter uh, does have a tendency to break things. <laughs> and my niece, who's a wonderful person, but she does tend to break things. So uh, I told my sister about it. So she bought the Apple Care for her. And I said, well, and then when my sister bought herself a new phone, I said, well, you should sell that. You know, you don't need that one. You can sell it. And she says, no, I need it for my daughter. And I said, but you have the Apple Care. She said, yeah, but I still need it for my daughter. And I, I recently asked her what happened to the extra iPhone. She says, oh, yeah, we went through all of the Apple Care plus repairs and then we had to give her the the extra one (laughs) okay (laughs) so she knows (laughs) so a spare tire iphone is not a bad idea as well um you Um, can also uh, use them in your car uh, because they can sync wirelessly uh if if your garage or wherever you normally park your car is within range of your of your wi-fi network um you can load it up just like you would a, a big ipod in in your car just leave it in your car and then, um, you know, enable wireless sync and pop open iTunes on your Mac and, and wireless sync it whenever you pull in. And if you've got one of those um, situations where it's constantly plugged in through your car, you know, like it's got the USB to the 30 pin or lightning connector, it's always, the, you know, the battery issue, which is often the issue with the older iPhones and iPods is solved because it's always plugged in. And I would say that the whole thing about the car also applies to old iPods. Like there's, I know there's people out there that have some of those old 30 gigabyte spinning drive iPods. Or even the, the iPod classic is still out there. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Just, I mean, just leave it plugged in, in your car and you can have a whole bunch of tunes in your car at any time. Uh, Another pitch I would make with old iOS devices is fix those up too. There's a whole community on iFixit and other places that tells you how to repair your your old stuff. Uh, My brother-in-law, who's an engineer, loves to get old iPods and replace the drives and the screens. And, you know, he he thinks it's fun. So um, he is always repairing these old things. And and you can do it yourself. They they really aren't that hard if you go on the iFixit and download the tutorials. Uh, oh, you know, another use for an old iOS device is a home stereo system. Like, for oh, tell instance, me about that. Yeah. Well, if you've got, you know, if you're not crazy like me and keep buying Sonos stuff, um, you can get a nice set of speakers that have the built-in 30-pin connector. And let's say you've got an old 30-pin iPhone or iPod Touch. Just leave it plugged in in one of those speakers. And you can, like you said, it's got Wi-Fi in it. So you can constantly update the library and you can play the music right there. Okay, so like you can is that either, obvious? You can st- no, that's, that's a probably good, obvious. That's a good point, but you could stick in a speaker dock. I mean, they've got pretty big, yeah. pretty good storage. Yeah, space. you can spend actually quite a bit of money on some of those speaker docks. <laughs> you can. Um. Uh. Anyway, so oh, you know some what? More uses. A- another use that we haven't talked about: beta what? testing the new iOS. Yeah, yeah. In fact, one of our listeners wrote that in on the on the um on Twitter. They said, yeah. "Hey, Nick, keep an Nick extra wrote that one in, around." Yeah. So keep an extra one around. So whenever Apple comes out with the next operating system, whether it be iOS or Mac OS, you've got something you can play with it on. That's a good idea. Because you definitely don't want to put that on your on your new device. Although be careful because 
um, you know, sometimes when you get too old in your devices, you're not going to get a great experience with that. I forget what, what did they call the one with the swivel arm? Like the, they call it the flower Mac with it. They call that one. You know what I'm talking about? It's got the, uh, half round semicircular base and the swivel arm and the flat screen. It was the first LCD screen Mac. You know what I'm talking I, about? I don't think they called it anything. A lot of people called it the lamp. No, they Mac. Had a, yeah. Or the lamp post. Um, I don't think that anyway, uh, I saw when I was searching today, I saw a few people that were taking those and attaching iPads to the screens huh, okay. and they're using it like an iPad stand. I thought that was clever. Yeah. That's fun. All right. Anything else for iOS devices? I think that's it. Yeah. Well, um, I think the last thing we have to cover is um, donations and and donating your old devices and kind of how to do that, how to do that properly and and when not to do that. But before we do, you want to tell us about our last sponsor? I would like to. In fact, it's funny. Unless you want me to, because I think I'm an expert in this field. (laughs) Well, you might be. You never know, right? (laughs) Um, it, no, our last sponsor is Harry's and uh, Harry's, uh, is, makes great razors and they were sparked by the personal experience of Andy, one of the founders of, uh, and that's emblematic of the experience of many guys. So Andy said, I went to the drugstore and waited 10 minutes for someone to unlock the case where the razors were being held and bought the four pack of blades and some shaving cream. And it wasn't the best purchase experience for him. So then he walked out and he looked in his bag and he had a receipt for over $25 of products with brands that didn't speak to him as a customer. So he felt like he could do it a better way. And he did. Andy founded Harry's and Harry's is focused on providing guys with a great shaving experience for a fraction of a fraction of the price that uh, you pay for the competitors. Um, they have a clean product design. It's really nice. You know, less, they use the less is better mentality for the design with high quality blades engineered in their own factory in Germany. I mean, they found the guys making the right blades and they bought the factory they're sharp and strong. Uh, the blades are half the price of the competitors, which is great. And it's all done online, so you don't have to go screw around in the drugstore and wait for the guy to unlock the cabinet and give you the wrong blades and try and sell you, upgrade you. Uh, it's convenience and ease of, pr- uh, the cheap price and ease of ordering online make it really a great product. And for me, it's kind of interesting. My story is I always used an electric razor for many, many years. And when Harry started, uh, sponsoring the show. First, they were nice enough to send me a set and I liked them. And I had been a long time since I used a razor and now I really am sold. So now I, I'm a subscriber to Harry's and I've been using them. And this is the second time I'm going to talk about uh, Dan, my barber today in the show. <laughs> because <laughs> okay. when, I, when I went in, I went in to get my haircut because I had to get my Florida haircut. Um, uh, Dan said, Dave, did you switch your razor? And I said, yeah. He says, it looks a lot better. And, you know, and Dan's a, the only professional in my life who actually pays attention to my hair. So um, apparently, you know, and I knew it was giving me a closer shave, but it's nice to know that somebody else, you know, who really pays attention to this stuff notices. So I'm, I'm sold. I like Harry's. Um, they ship it right to your door. And I just love the way they package the products. I mean, it's just done right. People who like Mac power users uh, that want to get a good shave are going to like Harry's and the whole mentality of the company is right in line with, with what we believe in. Uh, barbershop smooth shave anywhere, anytime. So go to harrys.com and use the program, uh, the promo code Mac power. That's not Mac power. This is just Mac power. M A C P O W E R. And you save $5 off your first purchase. So go check it out. Get yourself a good shave at Harry's. Can I tell you a secret? What? Most women I know, uh, 
prefer men's razors because they're so much better than women's razors. Yeah, no, I, I have kept, I have not mentioned Harry's and make a point of keeping my razors out of reach of my wife and children. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, I was mentioning Harry's to my dad and or to my brother. And my dad says, Oh, Harry's. I was like, yeah, they're sponsoring my show. He's like, why are they sponsoring your show? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Geeks and discretionary income. And they, they shave and they're like, I, great product. I've always wanted to try that. And I said, well, here's our coupon code. Go for it. Yeah. He was, he was great. so, he was so happy that Harry's was sponsoring my podcast. And I'm like, okay. Well, it's funny because I, I really, I mean, I guess we're trying to dragging this on too long, but I've always been a cheater and just used an electric razor for over 20 years now. So it's kind of fun going back to the old, the old blade. Anyway, um, so what else do you do with the Mac and the iOS device if you're not going to repurpose it or give it to someone or sell it for cash money? What are you going to do? Um, well, the, the final two options really are to donate them or to recycle them. Yeah. And um, do you have a, a preferred place that you use to donate? Um, not, well, it kind of depends on where I'm at in my life. I know when my kids were in the elementary school that um, they used a Max and we were able to donate a couple that way. Like I said earlier in the show, I've used the, the kids' teachers to find an appropriate family for them. Um, what about yourself? Um, I have, I have donated them to local nonprofits. Like we have a girls and boys club here and, um, I I've donated them to, to other nonprofits and things. But the one thing that you want to be aware of is if you can't find something else to do with this computer donation, donating a computer can, can be a wonderful thing to do. Um, but be very careful not to donate a problem. Um, and P I, Sometimes we have a tendency to want to donate something and, and it just ends up being a burden on the people that we donate it to. I know our local school board, for example, um, has certain standards that they won't take any machine that um, is lower than those standards. And I don't happen to know what they are right now, um, but they're pretty high because they've just found that that they don't want to accept a machine that that won't run certain you know, programs or won't run certain operating systems or things like that. So, I mean, you probably don't want to donate a 12 year old Mac to a charity or to a school because they're probably not going to be able to use it. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and you don't want to give them something that they've got to pay somebody to try and get running and not be worth it in the end anyway. Right. In that case, you're going to want to go to the next option, but there's a lot of Macs that, that if you don't have a good home for them or if you don't want to try and do something with them in your house are perfectly adequate for donation and will help somebody. Well, and donating to an individual can also, you know, be different than donating to a group as well. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you that, that some of our, our local computer um, repair shops here have certain groups that they, um, they support. Like I know the, the IT folks that do uh, IT support for our office um, has a program where they, they have a list of nonprofits and a list of charities that if we donate our machine to those nonprofits and charities, they'll do all the work up front, um, wiping them, reformatting them, reinstalling the OS on them to get them ready for those nonprofits, which I thought was a nice service. Yeah. If you're doing it and you want to get a tax write off, you want to get a good valuation of the computer. Uh, there's different places you can go to get that. One of them that I know as well, respect is the American computer exchange. AMCOEX.com and they can give you a um, an estimate of the value. 
Um, and then you get those computers that, like Katie said, are just too old to be donated and you can't find a good home. At some point, you know, they need to go back to the, you know, big computer pasture in the sky. So you want to do that responsibly. You know, you don't just throw it in the trash. There's a whole bunch of stuff in there that we don't want in landfills. And uh, there's, you know, there's some really good solutions uh, for recycling. That's the National Recycling Coalition website, nrc-recycle.org. I fix it. Um, once again, we've mentioned them a few times in the show. They have some great resources on their website about recycling old electronics. And if it's a Mac or a, an Apple device, they will recycle it at the Apple store. Um, uh, I just recently, one, a family member's Mac, uh, she her battery was very old and it was swelling. So we got her a new battery. And uh, when I switched the batteries out, I just threw the old one in my trunk and Next time I was at the at the mall, I brought in the Apple store and gave them the battery and they were happy to take care of it for me. Yeah. And your um, your local recycle, uh, whoever does your local trash collection or whoever does your local recycle service um, also may be able to take it. I know uh, there are certain rules for curbside pickup for devices. Um, they may or may not take them or they may only take them on certain days of the week or certain days of the month. And, and there may be restrictions on devices. Um, but we have a recycle center here in town um, that you can go and you can drop off a certain number of devices. Or there's some shops locally if you don't have an Apple store that will take devices. Yeah. So those are all good options. Take the time, though. But you should really take the time to find somebody that will responsibly recycle your back. Don't give it that ignominious death, right? Take it in so it can get reused. Um, well, there you have it. Uh, lots of uses of what to do with your old Apple hardware. All right. I, I think I'm still the most excited about the Mac O'Lantern and the Millennium Falcon Mac. And I will expect that we'll get a full report on that in a future episode of, of how well, you I don't know. It's, we're recording this in August. I'm just thinking there's enough time for me to get a Mac SE and some orange paint and make that work. Okay. If anybody out there does that, will you please send me a picture? I want to see it. I'm going to put it up on Max Sparky on th on Halloween if you do it for me. Um. All right, Katie Floyd, we did it. Uh, we did it. What, where can you find show notes on this show? Well, you can find links to everything that we talked about at our website, MacPowerUsers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU. You can send us feedback to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. You can also find us on Twitter. We're at MacPowerUsers. Uh, Katie's at Katie Floyd, and I am at Max Sparky. All right. Well, that will wrap us up. Uh, have a great vacation, and we will see you next time. Bye.